welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm speaking with Sarah Allen, who is Head of L&D, Talent and Leadership at AXA UK. This episode is about how Sarah and her team are responding in light of the coronavirus pandemic and the consequences that have seen their workforce largely working from home. Now let's get into it. Sarah, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you, David. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you, virtually. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sarah, it's a worrying time for us all with the coronavirus pandemic threatening not only our health, but also our livelihoods. So uh, with that in mind, Sarah, how are you doing and how have you had to adapt? I'm really well. Um, Thank you, David, for asking. Um, I'm location independent, so remote working and video calls were normal to me before before lockdown. Mm. But I was traveling a lot to our various offices over the UK and the head office in Paris. So um, there's real positives for me, actually, in that I'm spending a lot more time with my family. Mm-hmm. My uh, children have never seen so much of their mum. <laughs> my mm. husband has never seen so much of his wife. So, um, yeah, we're spending a lot more time. So I'm really trying to focus on those, on those positives. Um, but in terms of adapting and working, We've been quite adept at doing that already. So, um, yeah, it's going well so far, really. Good. And, uh, and touching on your, uh, your team there uh, at AXA, I understand that, uh, that, that you're in high demand at the moment. Um, so, so what are you being called to help with? Yeah, we really are. And it's been, it's been fantastic to see, actually. So our workload has definitely increased since uh, the crisis. And at the beginning, it was, it was you know, very much practical support. So how to support our managers to adapt to their new normal because whilst um, myself and a lot of our team were location independent, a lot of our people were still um, working in offices and used to going in and being with their teams and their managers every day. Mm. So um, we've gone from around 30% of our population, which is just shy of 10,000 employees mm. working from home, um, up to over 90% of them now having kit and working from home. So that's a huge jump. Mm. Um, so support from, from us, from an L&D team um, at the start of the crisis was really about how do we help our managers and our employees to um, adapt to this, to this new normal, I guess. Mm. Um, and, and for us as a, an insurance company, our purpose as, a, as an organisation is to really um, – protect our customers during the good days, but support them when life hits them hard. And for many of our customers, life has hit them hard. Mm. So our people are supporting our customers. And as an L&D team, Mm. our role, I think, is to help our people be their best, to enable them to support our customers in the best way. And yeah, they've really had to shift from from doing this in a a very much an office environment to a very virtual one. Mm. And one when, when they might have children at home while they're trying to do this as well, as well as all the anxiety that that, that goes with the pandemic that we're living through at the moment. So, um, yeah, we've started to uncover more and more needs as mm. we're going through through this and working our way through the crisis. So um, we, we've developed, a, we've kind of rebranded our L&D offering at the moment to um, 
to what we call business not as usual. Mm. And we've segmented it to leaders, managers, and employees. Mm -hmm. Whilst there might be things that we all need, there are some specific support that we can we can provide them. And um, the feedback so far that we've been receiving around how much it's supporting our people and the difference that it's making for them um, has been really, really well received. So it's very much an agile um, an agile piece of work that we're working on at the moment. As new needs arise, um, we're working as quickly as we can mm. to, to design things and deliver them um, for our people. And um, so much I, I want to touch on there, um, Sarah. Um, how are you gauging employee insights into how they are and what their challenges and priorities are, perhaps at all those levels? You've got leaders, as you mentioned, managers and employees. Yeah, it's it's really Im- important for us that we didn't just design a load of content and dump it on our people that we thought might help them. We We only wanted to support them with things that we knew they needed mm. not that we thought they needed so um for me it's very much about you know getting that right support to the right people at the at the right time mm. so um yeah we're supporting them um we're, we're listening to them a lot <laughs> we spend a lot of our time um as you say in the discovery phase so mm. hearing and listening uh, we do a lot more listening than we do talking. Mm. Um, we, we listen to our people all the time. But in addition to just those daily conversations that we're having with HRBPs and the business directly, mm. uh, we as an organization did run a pulse survey um, just uh, a few weeks ago that had four really simple questions. Um, it asked about how our people were feeling about the communication that they were receiving. Mm. how connected to their teams they were, uh, what more we could do to support them. And we asked them to also rate their current mood. And we're running that survey again um, at the end of this month and then again in another four weeks as well. Mm. So so that data that we've received from, from that has been invaluable to us, not just the quantitative data. So our people are rating their mood around 3.4 out of 5. Mm. But um, uh, the actual qualitative feedback that we're receiving from them and understanding their challenges, their mindset, their how they're feeling, how they're being supported by their managers, that's been really useful for us as an L&D team to, to help us to design the right kind of support for them. Mm. Um, 76% of our people said that they feel connected to their teams right now which um you know given everything that's going on and how quickly we've had to flip into this virtual world mm. i think it's really good it is, but yeah. we want it to be better we want it to be better mm. so um you know we've already started putting things in there to support our managers to help that connection and engagement with their teams so we're we're, we're pretty confident hopefully mm. that um you know by the when we run the pulse survey again at the end of this month that we'll look to see an increase in that connection score. What I've always found, Sarah, with uh, with user insights, as soon as you, uh, it, um, what I like to make the distinction as well that uh, that user insights is different from asking people what they would like. Um, it, user insights you, that that shed light on what it is that people are trying to do and how they're not able to do that efficiently to get mm. the expected and rewarded results 
is very different from asking people what it is they need from a from a learning or a development perspective. And I wonder if you can lift the lid on perhaps some of the, the things that you've been surprised about, which is totally respecting access proprietary information. Um, but I wonder if there are any headings, maybe at to the different levels that, that perhaps surprised you or provided you with uh, a focus for, uh, for direction, maybe for leaders, managers and employees. Yeah, sure. So um, for, for managers, because there's been a, a area that we've really focused on, really, mm. um, I think for, for them, one of their biggest challenges was about um, how do I sustain performance mm. during this time when I can't see people, when I, um, you know, it's not that they weren't trusting their people, it's just that they weren't just, just weren't used to working in this virtual way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they were really trying to do this already. So all we need to do as an L&D team is to to help them along their way and, and to do that even better. Mm. Um, but, yeah, um, so things like having those caring and courageous conversations, I mm. think that's the kind of stuff. They want to feel like they're supporting their people, but they, but they on the on balance, they want to make sure that we're being as productive as we can. Mm. And as I said, like supporting those end customers, really. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, that, that we absolutely have not been going out to our people and saying, what do you need from L&D? What, mm. what can, you know, what course would you like or what virtual workshop can we set up for you? We've just been, just been listening to them saying, tell us what it's like operationally. Because, yeah. you know, L&D can sometimes, you can, as a as a function, we can sometimes be in our little ivory towers, mm. um, and I think it's really important to make sure that we're feeling c- connected to them. And one of the things that we've been doing for our leaders, um, one of the things we offered out to them was one to one virtual coaching sessions. Yeah, and what I've really enjoyed about doing that is that I actually think they're as mutually beneficial. So it's not just the leader gets something out of that. For us as an L&D team, we're gaining really deep insights into their challenges mm. as a leader. So it's so useful to, to actually hear on the ground what, what stuff it mm. is they are struggling with. Um, and, yeah, for me, it's about, um, you know, technology, using new tools. So there's some practical stuff, but there's that real um, deeper stuff around team connection, trust, engagement. Um, and 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 it's not easy to do that virtually. Mm. Um, but I think the score tells us that as an organisation, we're pulling in the right direction already. Yeah. Um, and if we continue continue to provide as much support to our people as they need, then then we'll be okay. It is a fine balance, though, isn't it, between providing support and overburdening people at this yeah. time. Mm. Um, so everything we've done has been really bite-sized, really simple. Um, you know, we're not getting people on virtual workshops for hours and hours at a time because mm. people haven't got the time, people haven't got uh, the engagement. So, yeah, it's all short, bite-sized stuff and trying to get um, the right things to the right people mm. in the right places. So, for example, we've got like a coronavirus hub on our intranet so instead of just dumping a load of content that we've created onto the lms and hoping that people will stumble upon it 
we're actually we know that people are going to that coronavirus hub to look for answers on on various questions. So we're putting our support um, there as well, so mm-hmm. that they they when they're looking for it, when they're looking for something else, they will come across our support um, in a place where they're already looking. Sounds sounds as if uh, just to echo what you said before that uh, that you've you've changed your approach in order to meet these. Uh, unforeseen needs uh, it seems strange we've been it seems as if we've been in lockdown for a long time but but when we when we zoom out we realize that that we haven't it has only been you know seven eight weeks or so uh, depending mm. on where, where where you are in the world um but um but that we have had to move at pace in uh, uh, in learning and development and it certainly sounds as if uh, that's been the case um with you and your team sarah and so i do wonder what's been the challenge and the development required for you and your team in terms of understanding the needs and the insights that you've been explaining before, often within the context mm. in which people are performing, and then developing these lighter solutions at pace. And you even used the word agile uh, earlier uh, <laughs> as well. So, so how, how has that challenge and, uh, and what's been required for you as a team to develop? Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely a challenge in the sense of how quick we've, ha- we've had to and wanted to deliver our solutions to the business um but i've been completely amazed at the speed in which we've been able to do that so from understanding that one of the first needs that really arose in the in the business we designed and delivered a a really short virtual workshop within seven days Mm. so you know i've said to the team like we were not working like that before in in that kind of, of pace and i know that you know some teams that are set up in a really agile way are able to deliver like that but you know one of our guiding principles as a team is um to have an agile mindset Mm. now we're not structured in an agile way but for me you don't need that structure in your team in order to adopt an agile mindset and to have those behaviors Mm. so yeah we're absolutely you know trying to work with minimum viable products or or as you say minimal viable progress mm. um we're absolutely just trying to um get stuff out there to the right people mm. i i've said to my team a lot our people don't need perfection right now they just need um the right support yeah to help them do, do what they're trying to do um so so don't worry about making things perfect and just give it a go and and, and the team have been um yeah, really stepped up to the plate here and and are, are just trying out and learning new skills as we're going we're really supporting each other mm. um so that's one thing in terms of the the development for the for us as a team um for delivering uh, virtual and digital solutions We've we've buddied up so that people aren't having to just go solo. Um, so we're trying to work with each other mm-hmm. um, to, you know, really drive that new um, skill set for us as L and D professionals. So we're already on this journey. Mm. I'm not I'm not saying that we've had to completely change from very traditional to virtual and digital overnight. Um, and and actually, it's just accelerated. Uh, some of the some of the stuff that we wanted to do already and we had plans in place to do mm. which just made us want to do them quicker which i i think is uh that i've seen as um one of the the trends of uh, of this is that we have seen a hastening of some of the emerging practice as a result you've already mentioned there about 
uh, having a developing an agile mindset uh, to uh, get in a minimum valuable product out that's not perfect but but mm-hmm. would make a difference. Uh, we're seeing people um, uh, explore user insights, which is the tip of the uh, the, the data driven decisions uh, iceberg. So we we are seeing what what were emerging practices, but this is almost it, it's given us the. Fl- the opportunity to do this, but also there is this expectation that we we had to move fast, that that we had to experiment rather than 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 get things absolutely perfect and offer the organisation a program in response. So my question to you is: if these were um, points of anxiety for learning and development before, and many people are going to be in the same boat now, how has this then mm. been received by your stakeholders? What's the, the, the response been to not having something uh, perfect, getting something out that you might iterate to, get thinking of usefulness and iteration over perfection? How has it been received? Only positively. Mm. So it just makes you wonder, you know, what were we so scared of before yeah <laughs> and I can't be the only I can't be the only one to think that yeah so um I touched on one of our guiding principles of the team we have we have four mm. as a team so agile mindset is definitely one the other one is digital first yep. so we were guilty of not always um thinking digitally in the first instance mm-hmm. Uh, my, the other one, which I love, is design once, deploy it often. Yep. So not having to reinvent the wheel every time. And the other one is um, is outside thinking. Mm. So for me, as you said, it's only accelerated all of these four guiding principles that we were we had as a team. We were trying to work towards and always have at the forefront of our mind. It's just it's just accelerated this fur- further, mm. and the business are lapping it up. Um, I, I would even go so far as to say that actually, I think they are um, find you know demand is actually higher, yeah, right now than it was before the crisis. Um, and I know it's not all about bums on seats numbers, but that does give you an idea um, for appetite yeah. and demand. Um, to then rework and you know if something if there's no demand for something then we we leave that piece behind and think okay that wasn't um that wasn't necessarily the right angle to take and, and then we look to what is the right direction mm. so um yeah really positive from the business um we always thought that they there wasn't as much appetite for digital and virtual mm. but now there's no choice <laughs> It's being lapped up, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and we can't wait to dig deeper and start to really uncover the impact um, for, for to to see the impact for what we're what we're doing um, more than just more than just the numbers of how many people are going through it. We want to get to that deeper la- layer of how has this truly made an impact for for the business, not only through this crisis, but for the longer term as well. Mm. I think those, uh, those, those four guiding principles are incredibly powerful. They have the flexibility um, for you to, to learn with them and to, to adapt based um, depending on the situation, but they're, fir- they're solid enough to provide uh, guidance as well. Um, uh, makes me keen to invite you on in a, uh, in a few <laughs> weeks and months from now, Sarah, to, uh, to, to explore how far you've gone with this. But you've also been mm. experimenting with podcasts, haven't you? How, how's that been? <laughs> Yeah, and I don't claim to be an expert like yourself, but <laughs> um, 
I personally loved podcasts as a way of uh, learning and also as a way of switching off and, um, you know, in my personal life. Mm. So um, when I joined Active UK just over a year ago, um, I saw that we already as an organization had an our own internal podcast app. So um, we very quickly set up a uh, L&D podcast series on that called The Learning Exchange, mm. um, where we interview experts both internally and externally on various topics. Mm-hmm. So as part of our business, uh, not as usual offer, we very quickly in the, in the early days of uh, the pandemic produced a working from home podcast for our people. Mm. Um, you know, it's two members of the L&D team who are remote working pros just having a conversation. Mm. Um, and the, it's been great for the team to be able to see that they can do that. And I'm not trying to take away the skill that's involved in producing a podcast, but, you know, they were, they just jumped in and gave it a go and recorded mm. it virtually like we are today. So, um, yeah, uh, really, really positive from that. We just had an, another one um, produced yesterday with our IT scrum masters yeah. around team connectivity. And it's just great to see that the people in the business want to share their um, expertise and their knowledge to help others who this new normally is very different for them. Mm. So, um, and, and that just goes out to all of our people in an instance. It's a great way of getting um, knowledge and support and advice out to people. They can listen to it whenever they whenever works for them, whether mm. that's at ten o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning. So, I, I personally love them. Yeah, and I hope that we're able. To do even more. Well, what I love, I love about that, Sarah, a couple of things spring to mind. Uh, number one, um, people uh, have often bemoaned that that those who have access to the right conversations um, or privy to the right conversations are able to make more informed decisions and, and know what's really going on the, in the organisation. So providing mm. access to those conversations can be uh, rich for providing more context as well as um, and sometimes even permission for people to experiment and try uh, other stuff. But it's in the immediacy of that as well. Um, the publishing business have known now for quite some time that often by the time you you hit publish, that information is out of date, especially when something is investigative or it's news. So, so having uh, access to those conversations and then publishing those immediately provides that real-time both narrative and insight uh, into into what's going on within uh, an organisation. I think that 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 that's just one window into the potential of digital in learning and development. Uh, yes, it's not going to to meet uh, instructional needs, but we've got to realise that there's so much more in learning and development than instruction. Uh, some of it yeah. is just the provision of information. Some of it is the provision of know-how, and some of it is insights. It's going to be with um, creating transparency and portals into and through those conversations that we make our organisations and their culture uh, accessible to, to more and more people. Uh, and we don't do that one class at a time. And we've never even touched the sides of that um, entering into the benefit of e-learning when we're thinking of it as simply instruction. we have, There is so much more potential and the more that we experiment with and have confidence and competence in, in digital content development, that meets specific needs. As long, it all goes back to, to data-driven and, and user insights. As long as we are uh, seeking to, to 
to meet specific needs and pain points that are experienced by people at different levels and in different areas of our organization, then the, the more tools that we have available to us to, uh, to, to address some of these inefficiencies. I'm heartened by, uh, by the fact that you're creating podcasts. And, uh, and, and again, who knows where you'll be in a, uh, in a few months, which leads me on to nicely to my next question, because I wonder how, how you anticipate this will affect your L&T, L&D teams working in the next few months, which is hard, I know, to answer because we don't know quite what the situation is that we're going to be working in. But do you, do you think ahead uh, to think that, that a lot of your, your, your practice uh, and products now will, um, uh, will have a, an air of permanency about them? Without, without doubt. So our business has been very, very clear that we're not going back to the old way of doing things as soon as we possibly can. So mm. we're really taking the opportunity to consider what parts of our new normal we want to build upon mm. and what stuff from our pre-COVID world that we just want to leave behind now yeah. and move forward. So um, I really anticipate you know, new capabilities, new behaviours in the business that we will need to be developing new mm. new new needs new products there's going to be a lot of new yeah. <laughs> moving forward so um for sure there you know there's going to be changes for us as an L&D team as i said that the, the team have um you know shot we've shot ourselves in the foot a little bit by by showing how quickly mm. we can deliver um our, our new solutions now so for me, there's no going back to, you know, taking months and months to to design something now and making it all shiny and perfect. Mm. Uh, we, I really, really want us to maintain this this agile mindset that, that we've uh, really pushed forward during the crisis. We, we've got to. Um, and, yeah, and the piece around, you know, user insights, understanding, you know, their, their pain points and, we're really working on our employee experience across the whole of HR um, mm. within AXA. So understanding the employee experience, uh, where those critical points of failure are, where, what things are, are working well, what do they care about, what don't they care about? Like we are, we are really continuing to work on that discovery piece. Mm. Uh, we want to understand and, and hear how we can work with with our leaders with our managers and with our people to to just enable them to be their best in this virtual world because it's we're not going back to what we what we used to be mm. um that's absolutely for sure and for me that's just an ex that's an exciting opportunity yeah. you know that's nothing to that's nothing to fear or be worried about we'll take we'll take the best bits from from the old world and the best bits from the new world and when mm. we're safely able to, we'll combine the two and, and that will create an amazing opportunity both for us as an L&D team, for, for the L&D industry in general as well, I think. So, yeah, yeah really I, exciting times. I completely agree. You touched on uh, on one of the points that, uh, that uh, Alice raised in a conversation I had with her um, in her role at Monzo, which is mm. um, they understand that uh, that even during lockdown, their people are having an experience. So what is the experience that they're happening and where are the inefficiencies in that? And where do they, uh, the L&D team, uh, want to enhance that experience? So it's not waiting for some kind of um, 
uh, old normal to come back. They're, they're spending mm. the time to understand what's going on. But we've got to realize as well that um, this is comparable to what you mentioned earlier with managers. Managers are now expected to um, manage performance and productivity without seeing people. Now, we're expecting now to develop people without seeing them. And our uh, stock in trade was the classroom in which we could, and inverted mm. commas, see people develop. Uh, we never saw people develop. We saw people get concepts. Um, that didn't lead to sustained behavioural change. Um, let's sure. not kid ourselves. Um, but but what we need to do now is is really understand the blockers to performance and productivity. There are still going to be the uh, expected and rewarded um, behaviours and results uh, within any given uh, organisational context. And so by understanding what it is that people are expected to do, what they're trying to do and what they're not able to do efficiently, we're still going to be able to, to help them to do that. But with more agile, more nimble, faster, um, more targeted uh, solutions that are aimed at helping them to get the right results, which a lot of the time it's going to be business KPIs and it's going to be things that, that personally affect them uh, in their ability to perform and grow within their careers. So it is a really exciting time, but I think that, that as you'd stated, it's, it's, it's not one where we're going to go back to any normal and no normal soon. I mean, can you, can you imagine already a time that you're going to be inviting people into a confined space again for, for development events? I mean, is that even on your radar, Sarah? Uh, no, for sure. Uh, not this year. Mm. I really can't see it happening uh, at any point. At any point this year, if mm. I'm honest. Um, but will people even want to do that after exactly. they've experienced, you know, what they can do and what is possible? Yeah. I, I I do think you know there's definitely that social element, and people like I I honestly can't wait to get in a room with my team and see them all and, and hug them all and for us all to be together again so there there will definitely be that element yeah and we'll do that when it when it's safe to do so um but from a learning perspective i'm not sure that that people will be rushing back to the classroom as no. it were so we've got to ask ourselves whether we want to be doing something popular because undoubtedly when when restrictions are completely lifted then bringing people together will be popular or whether we want to continue to do things that are worth our investment and they're going to help to get us results. Going back to the points that you made earlier, Sarah, challenging ourselves to do the stuff that makes the real difference and not do the stuff that we've always done in the past without knowing whether we're getting the right results or not. Which do lead me on to, uh, to, to one of my last questions, Sarah. I'd like to, to ask you now what you hope all of this will ultimately mean for the learning and development profession? So I think that the crisis has been the biggest learning experience ever. Um, learning experience, learning experiment. We've all been uh, muddling our way and learning as we've been going. So mm. it's not now just like learning in the flow of work, it's learning in the flow of life, isn't yeah. it? So um, I, I really believe they all drive us forward as an industry. Um, I hope that, that it will get will get better and it will get easier mm -hmm. to answer the magic question of you know what impact, what difference are we making? Mm -hmm. um, and I and I and I think that we'll continue to to build and focus on solving more business problems mm -hmm. rather than just pushing that top down content because that just doesn't that just doesn't cut it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, we know that we we knew that. 
but this shows even it shows it even more because a lot of this content a lot of previous content wasn't written for these times mm. they were it wasn't designed with what we're going through in mind no. so um you know you can't just keep doing that you do have to focus on understanding the real business problems mm. and then um working and designing solutions that are going to solve that um so yeah that i i i genuinely believe that once um the anxiety and once everything is karma and this situation is more under control um that the, it will a lot more of the positives and the opportunities and the upside of this will will shine through mm. and uh, yeah i'm i'm excited to be in a profession where i i can see that we only have an opportunity to add even more value Wonderful. I'm completely with you there, Sarah. Mm. I think we should be hopeful within our profession. We're going to hit some, uh, mm. some tough times, um, both within our organisations uh, and perhaps um, uh, individually as we uh, as we go along in the context of our professional lives. But let's just hope that, uh, that learning and development uh, can progress and learn from uh, from what we've 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 had to do in this period of adaptation. Thanks. So, my final question, Sarah: If people want to follow you or connect with you on social media, how can they do so? Yeah, I'd absolutely um, love to connect with uh, people off the back of off the back of this recording. So uh, the best way to do that would be through LinkedIn. So um, yeah, please please do get in get in touch. Wonderful, and we'll put the link to your uh, your LinkedIn bio on uh, in the show notes. But all's left for me to say then, Sarah, is thank you very much for being a guest uh, and being so generous with your insights on the Learning and Development podcast. Thank you, David. Wonderful. I'm sure you'll recognise many of the situations and challenges that Sarah shared and how her team have adapted. I'm seeing many more examples of how L&D leaders are seeing this as an opportunity to experiment with Agile, with different digital solutions and how expectations on L&D have increased. As we move into the next phase and restrictions are eased, organisations will be seeking to make up for lost opportunities and revenue and it will fall on L&D to make a significant difference, faster and more reliably than before. It seems, as I mentioned in the podcast, that the trends that we we were foreseeing before, data-driven decisions, agile, digital first, and performance focused, are only hastening. And this will be good for us as a profession. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now.